0: everybody and welcome to a new edition of the denver sports podcast presented by breckenridge brewery Where right now you can get the unofficial beer of fall and even a little bit winter in colorado the avalanche amber my personal favorite beer from breckenridge brewery also the mile high city golden ale on today's show i'm going to be taking you around the colorado sports world over the last week with interviews from Zach Stevens as he leads us through the breaking news of Sean Payton joining the Denver Broncos. What does that hiring mean? What's next? And who is set to benefit the most from that? Later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Nathan Rudolph, a.k.a. Rudo, uh talking Colorado Avalanche at the All-Star break and the surge that they are on and what they need to do in the back half of the season to earn a number one spot in the division. And then later on in the show, I'm going to be talking about the preparation the Nuggets are doing one week ahead of the NBA trade deadline and why one young player might be on the move as early as next week. But first, we're going to start with National Signing Day. I guess late signing day for the Colorado Buffaloes. And to help me do that, I got my guy Jake Schwanitz. Jake, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing very well, Adam. Uh, We've had quite the day. Went up to Boulder, had the press conference. It's been fun, though.
0: So walk me through this. I know there's an early signing period, and I know that one of the notes we'll get to later, Coach Prime says, hey, there's going to be more news in the spring later on. What is today? What does it represent?
2: So today is National Signing Day. It meant a lot more a few years ago before they added the early signing period. Uh, But now that early signing period has kind of become the new real signing day. So that was December 21st. That's when the Buffs got the official flip from uh, Dylan Edwards. It's when they got the four star recruits at wide receiver Adam Hopkins, Omeria Miller. Uh so now it's just kind of a formality. That's basically what today was. A lot of transfers officially inked their signatures to come to see you. And then the big one was Cormani McLean, five star cornerback inking his NLI today.
0: Man, well, let's start with him then. Cormani. Um, first of all, a fantastic football name. I already know he's going to be great. Yep. But I love that you get a five-star who's a DB to come play for Coach Prime, one of the best to ever do it. Who is this guy? What is he about? And, and why is this a good fit for CU?
2: So Carmani McLean is a dog. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, he's got the, the length. He's got the size, the speed, the ball skills. To be an elite cornerback, not only in the Pac-12 and in college football, but potentially in the NFL down the line. Um, he's the number one quarterback recruit, cornerback recruit in the country for a reason. Um, he's natural talent, naturally talented from Lakeland, Florida, just a hotbed of yeah, yeah. recruiting and talent when it comes to high school football. Uh, so he's coming as advertised. The tape is amazing when you put on his high school tape. And today Coach Prime was not shy, but talking him up, um, saying that him and Travis Hunter at cornerback are basically the backbones of this defense and are going to be why this team is so different and frankly much better this year. Give me
0: some of the basic stats on him. Is this a tall guy, a fast guy? What what are we looking at here?
2: So when you watch the tape, he does have the speed. Um, he's going to be a little undersized in terms of weight at this point in his career. He only weighs in at one sixty five, but he's six foot two. Um, mm-hmm. He's got tremendous length, super long arms, um, perfect to play cornerback and just get handsy with receivers and you know beat them up going down the field. And when playing the football too, at the catch point, he's got the long arms to make plays from behind receivers. Um, to you know, run in from yards outside of the play to pick it off or just create the PBU. Um, he's got everything you would want in terms of a prototypical cornerback, even in the NFL, really.
0: Well, here's what's interesting to me is you start when when Coach Prime, you know, obviously came to Colorado, you think you're going to get great recruits. But I was very curious where, like what was there a position that you're going to have stand out? Travis Hunter was long rumored to be following him wherever he went. Obviously, there's a DB, but getting another one and now having two five stars basically at that position playing for a coach who is synonymous with the position. Is this a coincidence or do you think this is going to be a hallmark of the Deion Sanders era?
2: No, this is going to be his calling card is how good this secondary is. And it's really, as I said before, it's how this defense is going to be built. That's what he said today. Um, He likes to build his defenses from the outside in at cornerback, then go and get the pass rushers and then just kind of fill everything in from there. Uh, but, yes, also have to factor in Charles Kelly, at defensive coordinator. He comes from Alabama, also from Florida State. I mean, he's coached guys like Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James, uh, Pat Sertan, a guy that Broncos fans mm. are familiar with, of course. So you got him. You also have Kevin Mathis, who is actually the cornerback's coach. He was a 10-plus NFL, uh, NFL vet, uh, played for the Falcons amongst a bunch of other teams. So, yeah, the secondary is going to be the calling card, specifically the cornerback position for sure for coach prime in his tenure at CU.
0: And I love this because just from a branding perspective, I mean, you're trying to make things cool. You're trying to get five stars, but we know that some schools are quarterback university, you know, uh lineman university. Do you think that CU might be developing an early branding of, Hey, we're, we're defensive back university.
2: Oh yeah. No, what we've been saying is it's, it's not CU anymore. It's CBU because all the best cornerbacks in the country are going to start coming from, cu um you know coach prime is going to recruit the best in the country um so yeah that's going to be the calling card for these buffs as long as coach prime's head coach
0: so we had the no fly zone with the broncos like what what is the <laughs> cu equivalent going to be
2: um well ryan told me on the buff show a few weeks ago that there's a name of the building or the aerospace building oh. what could you NORAD. So I think NORAD <laughs> is going to be the name we go with.
0: Okay. All right. Oh. NORAD. Hey, there you go. Some radar. We also detection. have the don't try zone too. Just don't even try them. Don't even try them. I like that one. Well, after what you know what? It's a work in progress. We'll workshop this. We got a couple months. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. Um, all right. What else happened today?
2: Um, we actually got a commitment. We got a new transfer coming in. Des Moy Kennedy, former Alabama Crimson Tide linebacker. Is going to be playing at CU. He didn't really get on the field too much on the defensive side for the Crimson Tide. He was more of a special teams ace. Uh, he actually played some running back too, but Man. he suffered a season-ending injury against Arkansas last year. So his health is going to be a topic of conversation kind of moving into this year. But this what is a guy. Uh, we don't know. It's just a okay. lower body season-ending injury. So wow. um, he's six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds. Uh, you hear that, you may think a little undersized for a linebacker, but that's just the way the position's been moving with these kind of slimmer, faster guys, and he profiles just like that. So uh, we'll see if he's able to recover from his injury and make an impact immediately here.
0: So I remember, as you're saying this, a couple of undersized guys now, I remember when Coach Prime first arrived, he had a mantra, right? And I remember, mm-hmm. the, I think the first line was fast. Do you think that this is also an M.O.? Like, hey, it might be a little undersized, but we're going to be faster than every team.
2: Yep, it's smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. Those are the pillars that he wants from his guys. Um, But, yeah, it's all about speed. That's what this offense is going to be all about is running fast. Um, They're probably going to be leading or not leading the nation, but near the top of the nation in terms of pace of play. Um, And same with this defense. They're going to be fast flying around. And it's going to be a much uh, different looking, uh, much faster team than we saw in previous years.
0: Speed plus altitude is just such a great combination. And I'm curious to see as you build that program up, if those two things start to work in tandem a little bit, um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. So where are we at now? I saw that uh, I actually I'll first go here. What were some of the takeaways from Coach Prime's presser today and his media availability?
2: So some of the takeaways, um, well, first off, he absolutely loves Boulder. That's how he led his press conference, (laughs) saying that he loves Boulder, Colorado. Um, In terms of the class, seven recruits from the state of Florida, that's the most of any state in this class. And he said he wants to double that by the time we get to the season. Um, Also, in terms of last week's junior day, which is where a lot of uh, underclass, well, not underclassmen, 2024 recruits and beyond, Came and visited Colorado, uh, the University of Colorado last weekend. He said we had 67 recruits here for Junior Day, which is an amazing number. There was at least five guys from Modern Day High School, which is a pipeline right. um, coming out of uh, California. And then Coach Prime also said they are not done in the portal. This is simply just a pause after the signing day period. Um, he also talked about you know how the process of the spring game is going to work out. More guys are going to come in, and obviously more guys are going to go out. As we get closer to that 85 scholarship limit, um, we're still nine over. So the team is still very much a work in progress.
0: When you say nine over, does that mean that they are still counting on people transferring out of CU?
2: Yes, uh, for sure. So you actually, don't, you actually don't have to be at that 85 number until literally when you play the first game. So, I mean, they've got all the way up until September to really figure it out. And, and uh, as I said, that spring game is going to be huge just in terms of figuring out, you know, the cohesiveness of this team, but also guys are going to just learn that they're not going to play on this team and they're probably going to hit the portal. Then Um, the portal is closed right now. It opens up on March 1st for another 15 day period. So that'll be when you see you guys start to leave again.
0: What else is on the horizon now um, that this day is over?
2: Um, So now I think we're just gearing up for spring practice, the spring game. um, We got a date on that today. So April 22nd, is going to be when the spring game is played in Boulder, Colorado. They are actually selling tickets to this for only $10, though. Crazy. Um, Yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be pretty packed. And there's pictures on Twitter from last year's spring game, and there was no one there. That's going to be absolutely... I mean, it's going to be a completely different scene this year compared to last year, I believe. I'm trying to find this. I think tickets go on sale on March 19th. So we still have a few weeks. Um, Or actually, no, it's sometime in... I'm sorry. March 19th is when spring practices start. Um, But we will let you guys know as soon as tickets are available for the spring game.
0: What do you anticipate? What's your gut tell you right now? I know you're new into Boulder new on the beat, but what's your gut tell you about the turnout for the spring
2: game? Oh man, people have been throwing out, sold out. Coach prime said himself, he expects it to be sold out um, for only 10 bucks. I mean, it is football in April, so we'll see, but the hype around this team is just tremendous right now. And, I wouldn't be surprised if it's damn near close to sold out or sold out.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict, not being a college guy myself, I'm going to go ahead and predict this thing will be sold out. (laughs) That's That's, that's my prediction. I think we're playing this thing a little bit safe. I think the hype around the CU team is – um, at levels maybe we don't fully realize right now and that game Surely. is going to bring even more more hype which is awesome uh he is jake schwan it's covering everything uh see you buffs right now alongside ryan konigsberg with the dnvr buffs podcast that airs every single day monday through friday at three o'clock and also some great written coverage at the dnvr.com thanks so much jake thanks adam the stage is set and we're counting down to the battle in arizona there's no better way to get ready for the nfl action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payday with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays, boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. There's lots of great value that could be had on Super Bowl week, one of the best betting weeks of the entire calendar season and it's a lot of fun so get in on the action download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR new customers get to bet five dollars on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply void in Ohio see show notes for details also want to tell you about Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and so much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor activities. And that's not all. This is the best part. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection... And all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because you know they have your back on your purchase. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to shadyrays.com and use promo code DNBR or visit them at their in store at Park Meadows Mall for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself, the shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. It's a big week for the Denver Broncos. One of the biggest of the year, perhaps. And to join us, we've got the host of the DMVR Broncos podcast, and the guy covering all things Broncos for DNBR Broncos, Zach Stevens.
3: Zach, thanks for joining me. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me on, man. What a week are you sleeping? (laughs) You You know, it, uh, it, it's been quite a 24 hours, but you know, it's better to have a coach in place than to be on a search for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, Adam, I've unfortunately covered too many Broncos searches just since starting covering the Broncos in 2016. (laughs) I'm way too experienced in Uh, doing this, but this one, was like nothing else that I've ever seen. So different, so many twists and turns. And it's because there's a new ownership in place. And that ownership is handling their business in a very different way. Adam, last year when they hired Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos, they sent out an entire social media crew to follow them on the plane and to to track (laughs) and display everything that was going on. This time, they were so tight-lipped, so it was very different. There was a lot of things out there, some of them true- some of them not true, which made Broncos country a little worried throughout the search. But I think in the end, Broncos country is very happy with what happened.
0: Man, there was so much interesting stuff right there, Zach. So I got to stop you and go. I, I want to go here, which is not where I expected to go. The social media, we're going to post everything and make a story of this and kind of be transparent. I get this is like we're in 2023. This is a thing people do now. We see Coach Prime and CU is recording every second of his life and uploading it every single day. And it's cool. There's value to that. I do think it's interesting that this year's operation has been the total opposite of that. There's been rumors and reports and then this or that. There are pluses and minuses. And the minus to me is there was a sense, I feel, a few days ago that maybe the Broncos were striking out. That this wasn't, you know, the silence led to conspiracy almost. How much do you feel, though, the conspiracy was warranted? And how much do you really feel this was, no, this is just a new way of
3: operating? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think for the most part, the Broncos felt very comfortable throughout their search of where they were. But I got to say, Adam, I talked to a source yesterday in the building. They were going nuts inside the building because they knew there was so much information out there, so much false information, right. so much misleading information. And the way the new ownership is, they didn't want those people to come out and, and turn any of it down because they wanted it to just be very quiet behind the scenes. Right. I would say there were some real twists and turns in this but from my understanding at the beginning of their search they had two guys that they really wanted to land that was Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton. we talked about it for all month that it was the, that there was a tier one and that's how it was inside the building inside the search there was two guys and then after they interviewed D'Amico Ryans he really did stand out to them and the Broncos for about a 36 hour window last week said he is our top guy and then once they realized that he was going back to Houston they They made sure that they were going to make a big push for Sean Payton. My understanding is right around Sunday is when they broke off communication with every other candidate and they said, New Orleans, let's get this done, Sean Payton, let's start dialing up this contract. And it took about 48 hours for that to happen. But maybe the biggest twist that was out there at the end was there was a report that said the Broncos waited for D'Amico Ryans, wanted to bring him in at the very last second, and then changed to Sean Payton after he decided to go with the Texans. From what I told, that is not true. They stopped communication on Sunday with D'Amico Ryans and focused all of their efforts to land Sean Payton.
0: So why Sean Payton? Why should Broncos country be excited about him coming in at the home?
3: There's no one better to fix this up. offense and fix Russell Wilson then Sean Payton and Adam I understand going after a defensive coach and playing good defensive ball but this is the 21st century in the past 5-10 years offense has dominated the NFL and the Broncos have been stuck in 1980s they've been going in reverse when every other team has been going forward especially in the AFC you have Patrick Mahomes you you have Justin Herbert in the AFC West these teams are dominated by offense and the Broncos just have not been able to keep up despite trying to go defense defense and then they go offense last year now they've got experience with Sean Payton so Sean Payton's the guy that's going to kickstart this offense this offense is going to go from the worst offense in the NFL to I think realistically you can expect a top 12 offense in the NFL this year which just is a massive jump Sean Payton was the coach uh, and led the Saints for 15 seasons he had a top 11 offense 14 of those (laughs) seasons just shows you how consistent he is so that that's why people should be excited is it not only the offense but he's proven as well which is just so different from the past three coaches that they've had the Broncos coaches have all had to learn on the job Sean Payton has 15 years of experience doing this so he's going to be he's going to hit the ground running
0: there's something weird with the Broncos over the last decade which is you go back to 2013 and they have the best offense one of the best offenses of all time but they don't win you get the best defense you've had, and you do win. And I wonder if you almost over-index on that, and you spend the yeah. next several years saying, okay, we're going defensive team, when maybe you learn the wrong lessons from that. But coming back to Sean Payton, the, I told you I was going to ask you some dumb questions. This might be a dumb one. <laughs> so the 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 key to the Broncos' success over the next couple of years is going to be Russell Wilson. Yeah. How much do you think Sean Payton is going to come in and be able to tailor things to what uh, Russell Wilson was good at, Versus he's trying to be more of a pocket passer, more like extend his career, this or that. So do we think that Sean Payton is going to have Russell Wilson playing like the old Russell Wilson or succeeding as the new Russell Wilson?
3: It's a great question, Adam. And last year, it made sense that Nathaniel Hackett at first wanted Russell Wilson to be a pocket quarterback because Russell Wilson comes out in his in his press conference with the Broncos and says, I want to play 10 to 12 more years. And you think about right. that and you're like, man, the Russell Wilson that's been playing the past 10 years has been great. If he can just stay in the pocket, not get hit as much, then that's going to be able to succeed for the next 10 or 12 years. But that had to be thrown out the window after how this past year went because Russell Wilson is not a traditional pocket Passer. Now, I think if anyone can turn him into that or help him become that, it's someone that helped Drew Brees, a shorter quarterback who was truly right. a pocket passer, win from the pocket. But I do think that Sean Payton's going to have to incorporate Russell Wilson moving because that is his game. So I think Russ will have more success in the pocket under Sean Payton than we saw last year. But we, I have to imagine that they're going to cater this to what Russell Wilson does best. And you know what? I think Broncos country has thrown out the dream of 10 to 12 years of elite level quarterback play with Russell Wilson. What Russ needs to do is focus on being good this year, focus on being good for most of this contract, which is, you know, four or five more years. That's what Broncos country needs from Russ. And then if he's able to do that, then you think about the next 10 to 12 years.
0: So, all right, play a little game with me real quick. Who are the big winners on the Broncos roster now from this hiring? I mean, obviously it sounds like we believe Russell Wilson will be the big winner. What about some of the other guys? And maybe this, maybe they're not big winners because you expect them out, but Jerry Judy, you know, what do we expect there? Some Some of the receiving core, how would you go? How would you rank that?
3: Yeah, wide receivers all across the board from the big names, the Jerry Judy. Look what uh, Sean Payton was able to do with a Michael Thomas with, with an elite receiver when he was healthy. He was one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL, but that trickles down. I think this really helps the third and fourth receivers, especially Tim Patrick. He is a guy that's going to Eat in this offense when he comes back and he's healthy, because you look at what the what the New Orleans Saints were able to do with their wide receivers. It didn't matter if you were a star or if you were a bottom level guy. Sean Payton was able to elevate those guys. I think it's also really going to help with the offensive line. Really, this move was made for offense, and it is going to help a tremendous amount. And then you look at what Sean Payton's thinking about doing on the defensive side of the ball, potentially bringing Vic. Fangio back. So this is going to be something where if you look at the seasons that the Broncos or that, that Sean Payton went seven and nine, which he did four different times with the saints underwhelming seasons. When you have Drew Brees, when you have Sean Payton, it's because the offense was still there, but the defense ranked in the bottom five in the NFL. Those years, if you bring Vic Fangio in, you make a big splash on defense, then that's going to maybe not have your defense be top five, top 10, but they're going to be good enough where you hopefully don't see such differences on each side of the ball where they are competitive year in and year out
0: i love it it's um i as a broncos fan i'm a little more skeptical than i think i would have been a year ago
3: yeah <laughs> understandable of
0: underperformed expectations obviously with russell wilson but this does feel with a new since the russell wilson hiring you've got new ownership now a new coach it does feel like the biggest thing has just been it takes time to culturally reset an organization. And I do feel like the Broncos um, are moving in that direction. He is Zach Stevens. He is covering all things Broncos and it's going to be a wild week. How, what do you expect over the next week? Give me just a quick
3: preview of the next week or two. What, what other news do you expect? Well, first off, I know some Broncos coaches getting a little nervous because a contract isn't officially signed. That's the first order of business that will be taken care of. There's nothing to worry about there. It's dotting the I's, crossing the T's, so nothing wrong there. And then the next decision, the biggest decision is going to be, is it bringing back Vic? Is it keeping a Giro around? Then it's going building the, building the staff around him. But I really think when you have Sean Payton, he's taking care of the offense, the offense, of Coordinator doesn't really matter. Joe Lombardi's a, a name to keep out there. He's had a lot of connections with Sean Payton in the past. And then it's going to be uh we're gonna be down at the Super Bowl where hopefully we'll get to talk to so many people that know Sean Payton, be able to find out right. exactly what he's going to bring. So I'm really excited for that. And then just building the staff, but that's the great thing about when you land a coach with so much experience who brings so much to the table is unlike Nathaniel Hackett, unlike uh Vic Fangio when he was the head coach, unlike like vance joseph where the staff is such a key part to if they're going to succeed surrounding those guys with experience you're not really worried about that with sean payton because he is the guy so the broncos took care of a huge step with just bringing in an experienced coach
0: what a big week for you guys and next week promises to be even bigger as uh we got the super bowl coming up so that should be a lot of fun uh everybody check out everything going on right now at the nbr broncos zach thanks so much thanks adam All right, I'm joined now by one of the hosts of the DMVR Avalanche podcast, the man, the myth, the legend, Rudo himself. Rudo, thanks for taking a moment here to talk abs.
1: Oh, always talking abs.
0: <laughs> I figured you probably couldn't get enough talking abs here. So the Avalanche head into the All-Star break right now. They got a little bit of, uh, what is it, one week off before, basically between games?
1: Nine days, yeah.
0: Oof, that's a lot. It uh, is. Hockey has all these breaks, it feels. The season gets a little choppy.
1: It's they have all these breaks and then they put 30 games in 40 days on you. It's, <laughs> right. it's crazy, <laughs> right?
0: Um, oh, I want to start a couple of big things happened with the abs over the last couple of weeks, but I want to start with Jared Bednar becoming the all time winningest coach now in avalanche uh history. This is one of those like really big milestones that I almost feel like not it, it, it feels almost underappreciated the all-time winningest coach in Avalanche history. How big of a deal do you think this is? And and what do you think this means for the Avalanche?
1: Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. Not just Avalanche history, but franchise history. So that includes Quebec as well. Um, It's my favorite thing about covering sports is getting to experience history as it happens. And he has the Stanley Cup. He's now the winningest coach. This is the guy that's going to be referenced as the coach of the Colorado Avalanche for probably the rest of my life. Uh, wow. You know, unless something crazy happens and they get another amazing coach in the near future. Right. The Avalanche organization has never really had that guy. They've had you know, Mark Crawford won a cup, Hartley won a cup. But those guys didn't stick around all that long in Colorado. Things changed very rapidly. You don't have a face of the franchise as your head mm-hmm. coach, but the Avs now have a guy that everyone will say, yeah, Jared Bednar was an Av.
0: Right. Do you get the sense? I mean, I know this stuff, sometimes you, you never know where it's going to go, but do you get the sense that, you know, he's only getting started here? I mean, does he have, does it seem like he might just be the coach for the foreseeable future? What's your sense?
1: I mean, I I never want to say never because you know, next year the Avs could have a terrible season and the coach right. is always the first guy on the chopping block, right? But it does feel like unless something crazy happens, the Avs have no reason to change their head coach anytime soon. I I would be shocked if it wasn't at least another three, four years of Jared Bednar, this era of the Avs stars through their prime. I fully expect Jared Bednar to be the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche for, and yeah, at that point you're talking about, you're starting to have, should Jared Bednar go to the hall of fame as a coach conversations then? So that's when you get really special stuff.
0: How is he viewed amongst analysts uh, around the NHL? Like, is he considered one of the premier coaches, the best, like where, where is he discussed broadly?
1: It's, you know, it's interesting because he is the only coach in history to win at all three professional levels in North America, ECHL, AHL, and now NHL. So he does get a lot of respect for that. Um, I, I do believe pretty much everyone views him as a top 10 coach in the NHL. There are some people that see him as top five or maybe even top three. But I think it's going to take another two, three, four years for him to really start getting respect as one of those true top, top end coaches.
0: Well, there you go. And what about just the, how how is he viewed amongst the players? I know this stuff can sometimes be hard to read or gauge, but is he a players coach? Is players friendly? Like, how is he viewed?
1: He's absolutely a, a players coach. He is kind of riding the forefront of this wave. The NHL has a lot of old school head coaches that struggle to communicate, especially with the younger players mm. as, as the NHL's basically never been younger. And he's, he's at the forefront of these guys who understand how to communicate with, with young players and, and push the game forward in that direction. And uh, the Avs guys, obviously all love him. All of his, all of his guys that have talked about him from his minor league days say he's amazing. So from the player side, I think they're all in on the guy.
0: I love it. All right, let's move on to some broader Av talk here obviously it's been a challenging season with injuries what would you how would you describe the abs now here at the uh, all-star break do they have some momentum going in what's been happening with them over the last uh, couple weeks
1: yeah so finished really strong for the first half before the all-star break went seven and one heading into it so you do feel like things are finally coming together the expectation is they're going to get some guys back after the all-star break too so hopefully that injury stuff is starting to turn I would grade the first part of the season as given context, good, but still a little bit disappointing with the injuries. They did what they could. They kept themselves in the playoff race. You're not very concerned about their position in the second half of the year, but you would have expected them to be topping their division if they were healthy and they aren't particularly close to doing that right now. So definitely plenty of room for improvement.
0: There's also, there's always the, real hockey analysis the x's and o's and then there's the narrative and both of them i think matter the blackhawks loss from a narrative standpoint yeah. felt like a low point we got to look in the mirror and they came out with some of their best performances right after that how true do you feel that was of not a necessary thing but like if a bottoming out where the team said guys it's go time we have to turn the switch now
1: I uh, I think you kind of said it exactly right. The bottom is where the abs decided the bottom was. And they could have <laughs> taken that Blackhawks <laughs> loss the wrong way and gone dug themselves even deeper. That they did. First didn't. of
0: all, you just casually dropped that's such a good
1: line. The bottom is this is true
0: for most people, but it's where you decide it was. It could have gotten
1: worse for sure. Exactly. So that was the breaking point for the abs. They said this is getting out of control. It stops here. We we're a better team than this. Let's go out and do it. And that's exactly what they did. And, you'd have liked them to do it about two weeks earlier, but they yeah. did it at a point where it was like, okay, they're fine. Everything's going the right direction again. Nothing to worry about.
0: And it's been the offense, you know, obviously as well. I know they had a seven goal game, then a six goal game I yeah. think right after that. So is this, do you feel this is where you most see it is now they're starting to put pressure on the net again?
1: Uh, it's it's a little of column a a little of column b they're definitely playing significantly better they also had a stretch from the end of december through halfway through january where uh, sometimes the hockey gods just aren't on your side they were literally shooting like three percent at no fault of their own they'd hit like 15 posts in six games it was they were just that millimeter off and things weren't going their way the combination of getting a break or two and pushing their play to the next level is what really got them there.
0: So coming out of the all-star break, you get a week off here Um, coming out of it. What are the things that you're looking for most in the abs in those initial and that like initial couple of games?
1: I mean, this is a total cop out, but it's stay healthy. you're expecting them to get both Bo and Rob Byram, excuse me, and Josh Manson back on the defensive side. Balmachushkin should be back to 100% on the offensive side. They've spent this entire year bouncing from injury to injury to injury. Get through February, stay healthy. Their team is just at a talent level when healthy, that they're just better than most teams. It's just factual. So if they can stay healthy, they will have a very good second half.
0: When you, but here's the thing, very good. They're the defending champs. And last year, I don't remember what the record was. It was something like through 10 games, right? They're like three and seven or something. And then after that point, their record was absurd. It wasn't just that it was great. It was that they never lost. Do you think a similar run is possible? A shorter amount of time, but just in the the back quarter of the season or whatever it is, do you think that they have a similar run in them?
1: I don't think they will go quite. As well, they went, I believe it was 16-0-1 through January last year, which was just, uh, that's absurd. It's not realistic to expect something like that. However, a realistic target to win the division is 106 points. The Evs have 34 games left in the season. Realistically, to get there, they need 25 wins. 25-9 in the second half of the year, I think is entirely possible. Oh, wow. If they want to win the division, that's what they got to do. I think they're capable of it.
0: How motivated are they, do you think, to win the division?
1: Uh I don't think they're that I love like they want to win. Of course yeah, they yeah. want to win, but I think they're a team that's confident in their abilities as a second, third seed in the playoffs. They're not right. obsessed with home ice in the playoffs. Right. And
0: if you can give me, I'll get you out on this one, Ruto, but if you can give me one name to kind of zero in on with the Avs post all star break, who's who's the name?
1: Bone Byron, 100 percent Back in the lineup, healthy. He's a dude that can change the entire complexion of the Colorado Avalanche defense on both ends of the ice. Can be a difference maker every single night.
0: He is Nathan Rudolph. You know him better, though, as Rudo, and he's doing covering all things as for DNVR Avalanche, the DNVR Avalanche pre post-game show, watch-alongs, and Avs reviews. Rudo, thanks so much for taking time in.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Time to tell you about the presenting sponsor of today's show, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer partner of DNVR. You guys know them, they've been a long time partner. They're synonymous with Denver, synonymous with Colorado, and synonymous, of course, with DNVR. Breck Brew has been, for any occasion, there's no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew. They've been doing this for 32 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. Made with 100% renewable energy, such a Colorado thing to be able to claim Mile High City Golden Ale, Christmas Ale, Buddy Pass Ale, which by the way, very potent. Very delicious, very potent. Avalanche Amber Ale, Vanilla Porter Junior, Bronco's Country Pale Ale. I I would say the beer rising up the charts right now amongst DNVR members is the Funslinger beer. Very delicious beer. And if you're not a beer person, they've also got the Good Company Hard Seltzers. I know it's cold right now. Spring, summer, not so far away. It's almost seltzer season. If you want to find out where you can find breckenridge brewery near you just go to breckbrew.com and use the breck brew locator they'll let you know the restaurant bar or liquor store that has it available near you so you can try out all of their delicious beers and we go from one colorado company to the other illegal Pete's, another company synonymous with denver synonymous with colorado and synonymous with delicious food I like to go there and get the reverse nachos. If not the reverse nachos, then I get a bowl, little white rice, little queso, little chicken, pico de gallo, cheese, sour cream, and top it off, cilantro. And every now and then I'll get a little guacamole if I'm feeling like it. They've got delicious food. And right now, if you're trying to get a new diet going for the new year, you don't have to worry. Illegal Pete's has you covered. They've got items that are keto friendly, low carb, They've also got items that are vegetarian. They've got salads. Lots of different things that fit whatever diet it is you're going for. And then they have one of the best happy hours in all of Colorado. Illegal Pizza is always our go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. We're gonna round out today's uh, bounce around the Colorado sports world by talking about the Denver Nuggets, the team I cover, of course, over on DNBR Nuggets podcast and, of course, the DNBR.com. The Nuggets went 2-2 this week with two wins against the New Orleans Pelicans, one on the road and one at home, and two losses to the good team, two of the three best teams out in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. Both of the wins against the Pelicans came against an undermanned Pelicans team that was missing their best player, Zion Williamson. The loss to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, came without Denver playing four of their five starters. Only Aaron Gordon was a starter that participated in that game. So it was a little bit of a schedule loss. Second night of a back-to-back with 1,000 miles of travel in between. Probably the hardest or, you could argue, most unfair game on the schedule. And the Denver Nuggets decided to punt on it. But the real matchup of the week was the marquee game that took place on Saturday, which was a loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, 126-119, to in a game that saw Joel Embiid go for 47 points as he dominated the Denver Nuggets and outperformed Denver's two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. Jokic finished that game with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. This game was important for a couple reasons. It was both important and not important. Number one, Jokic is currently the favorite, the odds-on favorite at DraftKings Sportsbook to be the MVP of this season, which would make the th- a three-time MVP, a three-consecutive MVP, something that has not happened since Larry Bird did it in the early 80s, early to mid-80s. So it would be a huge achievement. He's currently number one, and he was a heavy favorite coming into that game. Joel Embiid going into that game on DraftKings Sportsbook was the had the third-best odds of MVP, but was rising. The fact that he outperformed and won the game and came up so big in the fourth quarter of that game uh, moved his odds way up on DraftKings from a third place to clearly the second place and now on the heels of Nikola Jokic, who's still the favorite, but is coming up very close. So how important is that? Well, I don't think it's that important to Nikola Jokic. He's talked a lot about it. He never expected to be an MVP once, let alone twice. Three times if it happens, great. But he has made it clear it's not something that he is chasing. Nonetheless, this was a game where it felt like Denver took center stage and Jokic took center stage on a national audience. It was on ABC, not just on TNT or ESPN, you know, national televised game, but on ABC, network television. It was viewed by a lot of people, and I think this was one of those prove-it games both for Jokic and for the Denver Nuggets at large. And unfortunately, they failed that test in both regards. So this is a game that I think had an unsteadying effect on the Denver Nuggets season. They had won nine straight coming into this stretch of game, so they were playing their best basketball. They were dealing with some lingering and nagging injuries, including uh, two games where Jokic missed prior to that, Indiana and Oklahoma City. So he wasn't exactly fully healthy, uh, and the Nuggets have kind of hit a little bit of a bump in the road here, but nonetheless, I think there is a sense amongst the Denver Nuggets Faithful that the Nuggets had played some of their best basketball, but then lost a critical game that felt a little bit like a, hey, how good is this team? A real measuring stick game, and they came up just a little bit short. In basketball terms, I don't think it's actually that big of a deal. It's really more of a narrative thing. The more important basketball thing that's going on with the Denver Nuggets right now is that they find their second-year point guard and um, fan favorite, Bones Highland, on the trade block, and not just on the trade block, but in a very public trade block. This isn't totally unnormal. A lot of times with a second-year player, you know, or, or with a player that uh, a team is looking to trade, you'll start to see rumors and reports, but this one has felt a little bit different as it has a sense of inevitability to it, and maybe even a little bit of a schism between player and organization, even more so than players that are just typically on the trade block. Bones Highland was one of the best players for the Nuggets last season in a season that was missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And saw a bunch of other shortcomings, something of a punted year last year for the Denver Nuggets. Bones Highland emerged as a surprise rookie playing some very big minutes, had some breakout games, including in game uh, four of the first round of the playoffs. Bones Highland effectively won the game for the team by having a really hot second quarter shooting stretch. He was an impact player with an enormous amount of upside and remains that. A guy who could shoot 40% on volume, probably the quickest off of the bounce, but has some defensive deficiencies. And on top of that, as a second-year player on a team that is extremely veteran, he was just behind the learning curve for what Denver is looking for. Some rumors started to come out in the last couple weeks about Bones Highland possibly being on the trade block as he, you know, the team looked to move on from him. But over the last two weeks, his play continued to deteriorate. He uh, constantly ended up in the minus for the Nuggets in his limited minutes. And then ultimately, on Tuesday night, was benched in the second quarter and did not re-enter the game as the Nuggets found a more defensive-minded second unit. So it feels like there is this cloud hanging over the Nuggets or maybe a, a possible distraction hanging over the Nuggets as they march towards next Thursday's NBA trade deadline. It looks like he will get moved. It looks like he knows he'll get moved. The team knows there's maybe while everybody's kind of putting on the brave face, it just feels like it's going to possibly be a distraction for the Nuggets over these last couple of games and that's something that you're going to look for. There's also the case of Bones Highland is the type of player that can lose a game for you, but he can also win a game for you. If Denver were to just give him up for a draft pick as has been rumored uh, in a report filed by Mike Singer in the Denver Post, if they're just looking for draft compensation, it would mark a little bit of an uncomfortable and maybe weird move for the Nuggets to lose a player who is sometimes positive, sometimes negative and get nothing in return other than a draft asset in a season in which you're trying to win. That would show the Nuggets front office has a lot of confidence in the guys already on the roster but it might also hint at um, you know losing talent and not gaining one back when you're on the clock to try to win. So it would be a very interesting week for the Denver Nuggets as they march slowly towards this trade deadline and try to solidify their roster. I think there'll be some movement. It looks like Bones Highland will be out the door most likely for draft compensation. There's always a chance there's something up Calvin Booth's sleeve as he enters his first NBA trade deadline as the team's uh, general manager. So we'll see what kind of moves he makes and we'll see what kind of impact that move has on the Nuggets in the back stretch of the NBA season. That does it for this week's Denver Sports Podcast. A nice little check-in with the four main teams playing currently uh, and some big storylines in the world of Colorado sports. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us, and we'll see you next week on TDSP.